This week on Writers Inc. It's so interesting because I'm I'm working right now on my next book, and it's really fascinating to see what the process was for falling, and then how I'm sort of changing it up going forward for work that I'm doing now. Because when I started writing falling, I I didn't plot at all. I had nothing except the concept. Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out. School's in session. This is Writer's In. All right, so Zach, uh, what's, what's been uh, new in your life in the past five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I have to look at you two guys again. So Yeah, know, we're stacking, here. right? I'm sure something new's in JD's life. I mean, I'm sure like something's happened construction wise in the past five minutes. You should construction have construction update, JD? I, I actually just hit the news app. I, I don't I mean this will probably play out by the time the episode airs, but did you guys see this condo that collapsed on Miami Beach? No. Was yeah, it one like, of yours? No, it wasn't one of mine, <laughs> which is which is awesome. Um but a twelve story condo just collapsed. Um there's only one person dead as of this point, but I think it if I read that right, they said 35 people unaccounted for it. It happened at one o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, condos on Miami beach, I'm sure the vacancy level is pretty low. So this is going to be pretty nasty. Um, but no explanation as to why or how it happened. It just, so very, very scary, very creepy stuff. Wow. Huh? Well, thanks for the news update. So what's happening (laughs) in sports, Jay? There was no easy way out of that one. <laughs> I got you know you know I have to try to make us laugh. So um, you know well, so I, it's it's you know I I brought it up for a point. Do you guys read news stories to look for book ideas or for for any type of inspiration at all? Or yeah, you, you, I do. do I, I scan uh, headlines. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, gonna so be that, that dude that just says I try to stay as far away from the news as possible, which I know is terrible, <laughs> but not I no, but I I know what you're saying. Yeah, occasionally I do do that. So. Yeah, so that was just one that happened to jump out at me. Um, you know, plus being Miami Beach, you know, it's it's kind of my my home turf. So, yeah, no, yeah. that's sad. I, I just looked it up at the build. That looks crazy. Like the yeah, that's nuts. So hopefully, uh, man, hopefully yeah. m- more, most people are okay. So, how about on the uh, the writing or publishing front? Any any news or developments for any of you guys? Not on my end. I'm, I'm still trying to finalize this this latest book. I've just kind of kept my head down. Um, been working on that. I'm I'm honestly my daughter is leaving tomorrow for two weeks to go stay with family, and I'm kind of I'm driving her, and I'm just kind of on autopilot now. <laughs> but between now and having all that time next week, where it's going to be quiet in the house, and then going up to Boston, so for uh, for Witches of Salem, so I'm just kind of like. I'm kind of uh, on autopilot and being really lazy when I should. How be. old? How old is your daughter? She uh, two weeks from now she'll be seven. 
So. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if she was like a teenager, I would probably take all the furniture out of her room and put like a foosball table in there and turn it into a man cave while she's gone. <laughs> no. <laughs> no we, at seven, my, she's we, not going to... We are redoing her room while she's gone, though. My wife is uh, my wife is going to, or mostly her, she's going to go in there and basically revamp her room for her while she's gone. So it'll be a nice surprise for her when she gets back. She's going to be super excited. A lot of uh, unicorns and rainbows are going up on the wall. So she's oh, be sounds, super sounds like Jay's room. Yeah. It, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just happy we got renovation talk in somehow, some way. So it came we from Zach to. this time, which is new. It's, it's great. It did. Hey, I, you know, I'm going to have renovation talk soon. We're going to turn our garage into a room. We're going to do our back patio. I got, it's, it's coming. So maybe by then all JDs will be done. So. Yeah, there you go. But I I'll doubt pass, it. I'll, I'll pass my Home Depot card on to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into some uh, news and announcements here, and then we'll get to our guest. Uh, just a quick reminder that Kobo Writing Life empowers you, the author, to take your self-publishing career into your own hands. Uh, you get to set your price, keep your rights, and the best part, no exclusivity. So if you want to reach out to Tara and the great team up there in Toronto, head on over to KoboWritingLife.com and you can get started today. Also, a quick reminder that if you want to submit questions for our monthly Q&A episode, you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash writersincpodcast. And also a quick reminder that the Career Author Summit tickets are still available, but for not, uh, not much longer. So if you want to attend either virtually or in person, head on over to thecareerauthor.com slash summit. JD, who is our guest this week? This one's going to be fun. This is we've got T.J. Newman. Um, you know, I, I constantly when when I talk to people that are trying to get that first book published, I, I hear the same thing over and over again. Like, are traditional publishers still paying out big advances? Like, is it worth even trying? Like, it, everybody kind of feels like that that's sort of dried up and it just doesn't happen anymore. Um, TJ is one of those examples of, of where it does. She's a, a former flight attendant who wrote a book while working. So, you know, standing in the back of the plane next to the, the food cart and the, the, the soft drinks, she, she hammered out a novel, um, sold that novel for a seven figure advance in the U S another seven figure advance for foreign rights and another seven figures for film, um, film or TV. I'm guessing it probably went to film. Um, so crazy story, but, um, and I don't want to give too much away i think when you when you hear the plot for the book you're going to understand why all these things happened um but yeah fascinating interview um here she is tj newman all right tj imagine i'm sitting in coach you're coming down the aisle with the cart what do i want to drink okay i'm going to guess coffee and i'm going to guess that you take it black oh my goodness like spot on so okay i have to tell you this is like a flight attendant party trick it's honestly <laughs> like something i can walk up to an aisle and know what everybody's going to order before they ask for it wow i mean is did you develop that like did you have that when you first started flying or where'd that come from no, that's just, you know, one of the most worthless skills that you learn in the job. But I think it's more that you just, I don't know, you start to know your routes, like different cities and different routes have their drinks. Like I know if I'm flying into Boston, I'm going to just run out of seltzer. I just know it. And I know that my tea is just gone. So you take all the tea out on the cart with you because you know that it's gone. So you, you start to get to know your cities and your routes. And then I don't know, maybe it's just uh, reading people. It's a weird 
you know, Rorschach test, I guess, that I put onto other people. I don't know. It's, it's a weird flight attendant party trick. Do you use that skill in your writing in any way? Um, not, not particular. There's no, no, uh-uh. I didn't in, in this book, but it's, it, it is such a quirky little thing. Maybe it'll make it into another book. I could, I could see, I could see that almost in sort of some characterization or, you know, as you're developing characters and you kind of like, what drink are they, you know, or like, what would she have? You know, maybe that, maybe that would work. I don't know. Maybe that's what I'm doing, like character development from now on. That should be like the first question. Actually, that's really good. I'm going to make a note of that. All that's right. like question number one when I'm developing a character from now on is what drink would they choose? Because it, it, it says a lot about you. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, hey, well, well done. That, I'm impressed. I thought there's no way you're going to get me. And uh, and you did. So uh, excellent. But we're not here today to talk about uh, my drink options. Uh, tell us a little bit about Falling. This is such an exciting story. Kind of uh, let our listeners know what, what this book is and, and what we can expect. Sure. Um, Falling tells a story of Flight 416, a flight from Los Angeles to New York. And what the passengers on board this flight don't know is that just before the flight, the family of their captain, Captain Bill Hoffman, has been kidnapped and they have been told, or he has been told that if he doesn't crash the plane, then his family will die. That is one powerful premise. Uh, <laughs> walk us back from that. Um, and if you can, where did it come from? Was, was it, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to put any thoughts in your head. Where, where did that come from? I'm dying to know. Yeah. The concept actually came while I was at work. Um, and I was working a red eye and I'm standing at the front of the plane and I'm looking out into the cabin and it's dark, it's cold, everyone's asleep. And I have this thought, you know, that their lives, our lives are in the hands of the pilot, which is, you know, not a new thought or a groundbreaking thought, particularly <laughs> it's fairly obvious, but it was the first time that I'd had a thought of sort of the, the, a different aspect of that bargain in that with that much power and responsibility, how vulnerable does that make a commercial pilot? And it was just a thought that I couldn't shake. And several days later, I was um, working a different trip with a different set of pilots. And I sort of just threw out to the captain that I was flying with one day, hey, you know, what would you do if, I don't know, um, your family was kidnapped and you were told that, I don't know, if you didn't crash the plane, they would die. What would you do? And the look on his face terrified me because I knew he didn't have an answer. And I knew I had a story. How did you not end up on a watch list immediately after asking that question? <laughs> you know, I, a lot of people ask me all the time, like, were you, because I wrote a lot of this book at work while I was flying, standing up in the galley, just writing, you know, longhand. And a lot of questions I get now are, oh, was that scary? Was that weird? Did you feel like icky doing that? And honestly, no, because pilots and flight attendants, honestly, the way I was thinking when I came up with that concept and writing this book is just frankly, the way pilots and flight attendants are trained to think. We're trained to think about 
what could go wrong and what we would do if it did go wrong. We spend a lot of time studying, you know, previous or potential accidents or incidents and studying, you know, what the crew did right, what the crew did wrong and, and putting ourselves there so that in the unlikely event that something would happen, we'd be ready to go. So honestly, the, the, the concept of this just kind of felt like a, a heightened, way of the normal sort of line of thinking that that we do by training and certainly caught that pilot off guard (laughs) (laughs) yeah we didn't the conversation didn't really continue on from there it was just kind of like a you know crickets chirp and then i just kind of slowly you know walked away and backed out you know so the the conversation ended pretty quickly yeah yeah awesome uh writing it longhand so is, is that um yeah, tell us what that looked like. What did that feel like? How are you trying to fit in these these moments of writing while you're on the flight? I didn't write the whole thing longhand. Just to clarify, okay. I did not write the whole thing longhand. But when I was at work and when I was on the plane, we, um, you know, using your your portable electronic device, or it's just not allowed as a flight attendant. And I definitely can't have, you know, I had an iPad and a keyboard. I can't have that out and be just like plunking away, you know, as passengers come around the corner asking for a drink. Like I, I just, I had to. Yeah, you're like, oh, hold on, I, let me just finish the sentence. I'll be right with you. Exactly. It's like, no, this is a really big part in the plot. Like your your sprite is going going to have to wait. It is just not as important as what's happening on the page. Yeah. I think supervisors would have an issue with that. Um, so I would, I would write longhand just on, you know, notebooks that I had or whatever I had that was there. I, you know, I wrote on the back of catering bills or, or on a napkin, just jotting notes down. Cause sometimes, you know, I wouldn't have time to write entire pages, but I'd be in a conversation with a pilot and he'd say something and it'd be like a light bulb in my head. And so then, you know, he'd turn around and walk away. I'd grab a napkin and just like scribble down that little, you know, nugget that I could use in the story later, stick it in my apron and keep going. So a lot of it was longhand. And then I would go on my layovers to the hotel or to a coffee shop and sort of um, take it from longhand and put it onto my iPad. Okay. Okay. Let's back up one step further. I think if my information's correct, you do a lot of post-it note planning for your story beats. Um, or index card style planning. Is that correct? I do now. Ah, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I didn't, you know, it's 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 so interesting because I'm, I'm working right now on my next book and it's really fascinating to see what the process was for falling and then how I'm sort of changing it up going forward for work that I'm doing now. Because when I started writing falling, I, I didn't plot at all. I had nothing except the concept, nothing. So like the, the, the scene where um, Bill, the captain first is in the cockpit and he first finds out about the predicament that his family is in. Like those were the first pages that I wrote. I just started there because it was the only thing that I knew was going to happen. And then I just sort of let it evolve from there. But I've learned um, <laughs> in this process um, that the revision process and the editing process is a whole lot harder when you don't plot ahead of time. <laughs> so now I'm doing, and so the, the note cards and, um, and all of that came after the fact when oh, I was I going, okay, hold on this, this, I've got the story, but it still doesn't work. How do I make these pieces fit? So then I would literally, you know, break down the beats and print it out on paper, cut it up into little pieces and then lay it out on my coffee table, like a puzzle and sort of just, 
move them around to fit um, where they need to go. So with falling, I did it sort of at the end. And so now going forward, I'm, I'm having a new experience of doing it from, from the get-go. Interesting. Interesting. And um, is it because the, the, revision, the revisions were so difficult that you decided, I got to plan something ahead of time? I think it was more the realization of like, TJ, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. The wheel works just fine. Like just, you know, just try it just from the beginning, just having a plan and knowing where you're going um, instead of just sort of throwing it at the wall. But I think, I think it's both, but that's also, you know, I'm also discovering you can plot as much as you want, but there's still going to be things that pop up and there's going to be unexpected turns. And there's going to be things that you didn't anticipate that really only come you know, when you're in the zone and when, when you're writing and all of a sudden something just clicks that you couldn't have, have, you know, predicted, it just comes from that writing process. So it's, I'm finding, I'm finding the balance. I'm finding, you know, how to make it both work. I, I agree with that. I think it's probably a balance for most, most writers. You know, there's some element of, I kind of know where this is going, but there's also a spontaneity that, that just comes out of, like you said, being in the zone. And so you kind of need a little mix of, of both of those. Right. Are you a big plotter ahead of time? Um, I used to be a bigger plotter. I'm I'm in the middle now. I'm kind of in the middle. I like to I like to know sort of the the milepost and generally where the story is going, but I like to have some room to explore within it. Got it. Yeah. Let's talk about this title. This is a single word title, but uh, it's loaded. So, h- how did you come up with it? What what what's some s- symbolism or significance behind falling? I think sort of the reason that that it made the most sense. And the reason that it stuck was a, just the flat out concept, especially with the cover, which has, you know, a plane and a downward, you know, position, just this idea of like, okay, you're on a plane. What's the worst thing that you can think of? And falling is kind of it. Um, and the title, actually, it's kind of funny how that came about because I've discovered in this process a lot about myself and one of the things I've discovered is that I am terrible at coming up with titles. I mean, like truly genuinely awful at coming up with titles. So at a certain point, I just kind of t- had to take my hands off and and tell other people like, you know what? I, I, I don't have the title genes. So whatever you think makes sense, then by all means, I think, I think we should go with that because I'm coming up with just garbage here. <laughs> Well, this might be a a question that flight attendants in general get, but I think you have a a very unique case. Do you approach flying any differently after writing this novel? I don't know about if I approach flying differently after writing this novel, but I definitely approach flying differently um, since becoming a flight attendant. Like I think it's, well, maybe, maybe it's similar to like as a writer, you know, it's, it's hard to read a book without, you know, without shutting off your writer brain, looking at a page and going, how did that author do that? Or like, you know, you're, you're constantly dissecting and analyzing the work because you have, as a writer, you have, you know, that, that backstage access, you have the behind the scenes work. So you get how, how it's, it's being played. And it's kind of the same thing with flight attending. Like I'm a, I'm a terrible passenger because I always want to be up doing something. I'm like, give me a trash bag. Let me do a trash run. Do you need help with service? Can I like do something? It's, it's hard to sit still. 
And it's also hard once you know, like I, I also don't drink on flights. If I'm flying as a passenger, obviously if I was working right. as a flight attendant, but if I'm flying as a passenger, I don't like to drink because I don't like the feeling of being up there and not 100% in control of my faculties because I understand the margin of error is so slim and that in the event that something does go wrong, I need to be sharp and ready to assist in whatever way the crew would need. So I, yeah, it, it, I don't know if it's specific to this book or whether it's just being a flight attendant in general that mm. I, I, I don't fly the same. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I want to, I want to shift a little bit and talk about uh, the waves you made in the publishing industry with this book deal. And, and I think to be fair, and I've heard you mention this, so I, I think you're okay with talking about it. Uh, I don't think you got. Uh, I don't think you got a big deal the first time you queried. So can can you talk about what that process was like? Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare with the first rejection, <laughs> or with the you know the forty one rejections after that. So um, yeah, it's so it's so funny to see how this has all gone down, and it's now just become this incredible thing. I've got this amazing deal and a movie deal, and it's just everything has fallen into place, and it definitely was not always like that. You know, I queried 41 agents, all of whom said no. Um, I worked on this forever. It was definitely uphill, definitely a lot of doors, you know, closed and slammed in my face or no, not even answered when I knocked. So, you know, it was a long road to get to this place for sure. Yeah. Did you start out with the idea that you were going to query agents? Had you considered independently publishing it? I, I, I mean, I was hoping to go the traditional publishing route. I was hoping to get an agent and get representation, but um, nothing's off the table, you know. <laughs> By the time you're, you know, 30, 40 rejections in, you are absolutely looking at all options. So it was, yeah, I was, I was um, continuing down that road and starting to consider like, okay, how, how else can I get this story to market? How else can I get this into readers' hands? So it was definitely out there and, and um by some good fortune, I, I finally got my one yes. So it, I didn't have to go quite that far. That's all you need, right? You just need one yes. You just need one. And I, you know, it's, it's, that's sort of, you know, one of the things that kept me going that whole time because 40 rejections is hard. 40 rejections is a lot of no and a lot of, you know, um, blank space just waiting to hear back. So that idea of like, you only need one, you only need one is just what, what kept me going. Yeah. Uh, why the trad pub route for you? Why was that the right decision for you? If anything, you know, it's like, this is my first foray into publishing. And so I literally, you know, I, I was a bookseller before, before I was a flight attendant. So I've sold books, I've read books, I've written books, but I've never published a book. So I literally bought a book called, um, I'm trying to see where it is. I, the title is something like, um, I think it's the essential guide to publishing your book or getting published or something like that. And I literally just read it just like, okay, how does this, how do I do this? How does this work? And then I'm literally Googling, you know, what's a query letter. And, and I educated myself as, as I spent a long time researching and working on query letters and, and tweaking and trying to get it right. Just cause it's like, this is, this is what you do, I guess. So I was basically just sort of following the steps that, that were sort of laid out. Like, okay, I, I wrote a book. I want people to read it. I guess what I do is step, you know, ABC. So I'll just start there and see. Nice. Excellent. 
Sounds logical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it works somehow. It yeah, works. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I think that's a good. That's a good lesson, though. You know, is it, you your persistence paid off. You know, you stuck with it. You believed in the project, and and you found the the one person who's going to make it happen. And now on your on your uh, book description, there's. Don Winslow and Lee Child and James Patterson and Janet Ivanovich. Like, what's that feel like? I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't, it, this, this, you know, since everything's happened, I feel like I'm, I'm sleepwalking in a way, you know, it's like, I feel like I'm still in the dream. Like I still haven't fully accepted that this is happening because I, and I don't know if I will until hindsight, because I can't believe exactly like you said, like I look at my book and I look at the blurbs and I look at all of everything happening. And I'm just like, how did my dream actually come true? Like, how am I actually living this in real life? And it just, it's all just surreal. I just, I'm, I'm trying to stay present and, and enjoy it. Cause it's just the most incredible and exciting Thing. But I, th I, I think that after 40 rejections, like I'm very hesitant to just accept that like this oh, is, right. I still have my thick skin. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to fall. Yes. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's hard to believe, but I'm just so grateful and I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. I'll bet you're not taking flights uh, to write your next book now. You're probably not writing on planes. So what's your writing schedule or process look like these days? Probably, you know, it's funny that you say that because I had the thought the other day when I was working, I was like, you know, what would be great is if I, if I was just like in the environment, like I might actually just go like try to hop on a flight somewhere, see if I can get a cheap ticket and just like fly around and write from a passenger seat. Cause it's just, you know, the hum of the engines and it's just the, the being in that environment. You're, you're like conditioned now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Maybe I should get one of those white noise machines, you know, that plays like airplane noise. There you go. Get it like a flight simulator maybe or something, you know? Yeah, yeah that could exactly. work. Exactly. It's <laughs> good. I'm taking notes. You're giving me lots of, lots of good ideas. This is great. This is great. Um, my, the question was, what's my writing process now? Yeah. How, how are you writing your book now? It's different than obviously being on a plane. Right. Um, I definitely, because I wrote like on the plane and all my days off and I just, you know, stole time where I could get it here and there, I didn't have like a set routine with falling. I just kind of grabbed time where I could because I was still working full time and I still had a full social life and nobody knew I was writing this book also. I kept it very, very secret. So it was also, you know, sort of a, I definitely just couldn't say, sorry, I can't do that. You know, I'm do I'm going to be writing for the next, you know, couple of days. But, um, so, so now my process is trying to figure out like, okay, now that I'm not flying, now that I'm home, what does that look like? What does routine look like in, in that way while also still juggling, you know, trying to get fall into publication, which is a lot of time and a lot of, you know, I'm learning this whole aspect of the industry too, which was something I knew nothing about the marketing and the publicity and all this. It's, it's, it's all been a wild learning experience. Um, so I don't know that I have a, a firm sort of process that I can tell you, but what I try to do beforehand, before I start writing, I try to take, you know, 10 to 20 minutes to read what I read out of whatever work of fiction that I'm reading at that moment. And then also to read like, you know, 10 to 20 minutes worth out of like a book on craft, just sort of like to get my mental, 
you know, in my, my, my mindset and like, okay, we're writing, this is writing done well. And these are the tools that you use to do it. Don't forget that now go. And so that's sort of like the only thing that's been kind of consistent when I sit down to write now. Yeah. Great. Well, I, I would love to, to wrap our conversation with a totally unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. <laughs> Five years from now, what does your life look like? That, that is an unfair question. That's, <laughs> that feels almost impossible to answer. Um, I feel like, you know, I feel like right now coming off of the year that we've had coming off of 2020, I feel like everyone is struggling with that question because I feel like nobody went into 2020 and came out of 2020 the same. We're all kind of going, where, where's the whole world going five years from now? Where are any of us headed? Um, so I don't know if I can answer that other than to say that if I am lucky enough to still be making up stories and putting them on paper and getting the opportunity to have people read it, then I'll just be happy as a clam. All right. Uh, this is, this is a crazy story. Zach, you want to yeah. kick us off? I mean, what, what are some uh, things of note here? Well, first off, I was super impressed that she guessed your drink. Right? I, yeah, that, I mean, that was I mean, amazing, seriously, right? I know you well enough where I was like, you know, because I was sitting there, I was going to be really embarrassed about what you were going to say if she was like, yeah, you look like a, a Diet Coke and a vodka and tonic or something like that. Like, But she nailed it, black coffee. I was yeah. like, holy crap, you know? So um, it made me wonder what she'd guess for me. She'd probably look at me and be like, well, that fat dude probably wants some soda or something. So... <laughs> Um, but, uh, but no, it was, man, what an inspiring story. Like seriously to, it kind of makes me feel like, I don't know. It's one of those things like from now on, anyone who tells me they don't have time to write or makes excuses, I'm going to be like, wow, well, have you ever heard of TJ Newman? Cause she stood up in the back of a plane with a notepad writing her book like that that really kind of blew me away to be honest with you. I was like, that is some real dedication and um, just, just a really inspiring story overall. And, and going back to what JD said um, be- before we went to the interview, you know, about just like, it's still possible. It's still possible to come and from a situation like that, um, you know, it, it reminds me in a lot. It, similarly, it reminds me of kind of what happened to Andy Weir, you know, who we, who we recently had on, you know, where, he was just kind of blogging his book, his story. And then all, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere, um, that sort of thing. And it's just, I don't know. It's just super inspiring to hear. Yeah. I mean, I, I only took a couple of notes during this one. And one of them was you, you got to love her drive. You know, like it was, just, yeah. I mean, just think about that process. I mean, she, she had to, you know, hammer on a novel while standing, you know, on the back of the plane, probably, you know, people coming up to her, interrupting her, you know, who knows how often, probably every couple of minutes, you know, taking her out of, out of that particular world. She's writing it in longhand. So then she's got to go somewhere and, and, you know, hammer it back out on her iPad. Um, you know, just the fact that she got that book done is, is crazy. Um, yeah. and she kind of touched on this a little bit and she, she talks about it at the end of the, the book. Um, but you know, she had 40 plus rejections on, on that title when she, when she first sent it out, you know, a lot of people would have, you know, 
know, given up at that point. Um, she ended up signing with a, a guy named Shane Salerno, um, who's a, a legend on, on the agent front. Um, and he actually didn't start there. He, he started as a screenwriter. He wrote Armageddon, um, Shaft. Uh, there's four more Avatar movies coming out, and James Cameron actually tapped him on the shoulder and, and had him write those too. So, I mean, this is somebody who really knows how to write an action scene. Um, you know, so she's got 40 plus rejections behind her, and it lands on his desk. And, you know, he was somehow able to look through what everybody else was passing on and, and see that diamond in the rough there and then worked with her to, to finalize that, you know, that next draft. And that next draft is the one that they sold for all these big figures. So think about how all those things played out, because if she would have given up, you know, at 40 and let's say just indie published that novel as is, you know, with whatever problem everybody was passing on it, you know, still present in, in that book, you know, it would have would, wouldn't have even been a, a blip on the radar. It would have probably come out and, you know, she might have made a couple of bucks and she'd still be a flight attendant right now. So like all these things had to line up. Um, but yeah, it does happen. Well, JD, let me, let me flip that on you. Like what, what if, what if, uh, this wasn't the case for her, but like, how do you know it's 40? Like, I don't know. I, I think like if it were me, I'd be like, okay, this, this is, there's something really wrong with this. If 40, 40 people have passed on it and maybe I just give up, throw it in a drawer and start over. Well, I have this conversation with a lot of people and a lot of them tend to think, well, if I can't get an agent, I'll just self-publish it. Like that always tends to be their plan B. Um, and they're really missing the big point there. You know, 40 people have passed on this book because, and you need to figure out as an author what that because actually is, and then you need to fix it because there's obviously a problem there. You know, people that are very skilled in this industry, you know, people that know what, what sells, um, they see something there that's wrong. So you need to figure out what that is. And if you're lucky, some of those agents will tell you, um, but most of them won't. You know, a lot of them will either, you know, they, they go dark and they don't get back to you at all on those rejections. Other ones will send you a form letter back, um, but occasionally one will tell you what's wrong. And it's, it's really important that you listen to them. And even if she did decide to indie publish it, you know, she, that problem needed to be fixed if, for that book to go anywhere because other Otherwise, it comes out and, you know, let's say she gets, you know, an average rating of, of three stars or something. It just it fizzles and dies and that, you know, it just it's it's kind of over. Um, so, yeah, just you have to read into that feedback. You have to understand what's happening there and why and, and try to correct it. Well, it didn't need to be fixed for her to indie publish. But I think that's the thing is that she wanted to fix it. Like she clearly had it seemed like she clearly like had a goal like she you know i know you guys briefly talked about indie publishing but she wanted to get that book traditionally published and like obviously when you know was able to go okay a lot of people rejected this i have someone pick it up like there clearly is work that needs to be done and she did the work you know and i think that and and she i'm, I'm sure she learned a lot from that process there's a lot of people who wouldn't do that there's a lot of people who'd be like no i know this is great these people were just wrong i'm just gonna go publish it myself and, you know, but she didn't do that. She got and, and, and I'm sure she learned a lot and she's going to be a better writer because of it. Well, and aside from that, I mean, she went into what she's doing now for, for book number two. And, you know, she she's obviously learning from all of this and, and she's adding it to her, her process. You know, like book number two, she's writing in a very different way from the way she wrote book number one. Um, you know, three will probably be, you know, different again. But she, she's taking every ounce of information that people give her, anything she can do to improve her craft. And, and she's building on it and, and making herself better. And that, that's huge, too. That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And she was uh, on, a, on a personal side, too. I, I just want to say she was really gracious and, and welcoming as an interview guest. And the reason I mention that is because she's at the very beginning, I think, of, of like this, I don't know, media junket, if you want to call it that. Uh, JD, I think you, you may have joked and said like, man, she's, 
she's about to get on the roller coaster. Like it's gonna it's gonna get even crazy crazier for her. And but like she was just very gracious and open and honest with with her answers. And uh, and I think that really came through in the interview. Yeah, I mean, I, I I heard once you've got a lifetime to write that first book and six months to write the next one. If if you know if you end up in that bestseller world, and I've got a feeling she's going to be on that New York Times list with this one. Yeah, cool. And yeah, I mean, very very good point. You know, because I know uh, a, a lot of people. You know, when they when they are first tasting that like fame and success, like that can get to your head, but it clearly hasn't with her. You know, um, so so that, yeah, it was awesome. Very good interview. Nice. All right. So JD. Do you know who we have up for next week? I actually don't because we've recorded like 12 podcasts today. And I'm not quite sure <laughs> where we are. Is it James Patterson again? Because he's... <laughs> that, it could be. It could be. Let, I, I guess let, so. me, let me throw you a hint. I, I sold, we sold our soul for rock and rolls coming up next week. Oh, Grady Hendrix. All right. This, this one's going to be fun. Um, his writing is, if, if you haven't read Grady Hendrix, it's, it's a treat because he's found this really cool formula where he can mix humor in there with the horror um, and, and, you know, use both of them to keep those pages turning. Um, his, his new book is coming out uh, fairly soon. I don't have the date in front of me. Um, do, do you know the title? It's, it's Final Girls something. Um, I think it's the Final yeah, Girls. I'm gonna, I think that I'm is gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stump you now. Man, um, as we're on it today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but if it's anything like his, his past his past stuff, this one's going to be a page turner for sure, and a, and a lot of fun to read. Yeah, looking forward to it. And he, he's a quirky guy too. I think I think the interview itself is going to be fun too. So, all right. Well, to our listeners, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass, where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end. We'll see you next episode, and have a great week of writing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.